Smartcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What up and welcome to Or Whatever Movies podcast with Wes and Iris. I'm your co-host Iris and I'm here with my bro. Hi, Wesley. And we are discussing today 2000, 2000s? No, that doesn't sound right. I think so. The uh, Yeah? Yep. Seems like it was more 80s or 90s. Mm, you think so? Yeah. We're here discussing today The Family Man. So, Wes? So this is a holiday special. Uh, we thought we would look at a movie that's a little bit older, an unconventional Christmas movie, and uh, something extra. Extra. Yeah. Speaking of, this is our first bonus ep- episode, so thank you, um, our Patreon patrons, for supporting us. Um, thank you. You're unlocking this special kind of classic, what we're calling movie favorites con- content. So, um, yeah, so Family Man, this was a new movie for me. I mean, I had never seen it before and um, kind of thought it held up. Was it a holiday favorite? Will it become a perennial Hollywood holiday favorite? I mean, it's no Home Alone. No, it's no Home Alone. I hadn't seen this movie in a while. Picked it up again because I was put on the spot for what's a movie that's a Christmas movie that's not traditionally thought of as a Christmas movie. For whatever reason, this movie immediately sprang to mind and I thought I would revisit it. Hadn't seen it in a while. Held up differently than I remember it. How so? A lot has changed. I don't know if you noted who directed it. Uh, Nicolas Cage, who was hot stuff 19 years ago may have fallen on harder times since then. Did you know who the director was? Mm-mm. Brett Ratner. Now, Brett Ratner had been one of the later casualties of the Me Too movement, faced a lot of criticism, uh, maybe having a hard time getting one of his directorial features off the ground these days. Um, but back in the day, he was known for the rush hours, of course, and several other movies, uh, notably as a producer uh, more recently. But this is definitely a different time, a movie from a different time. Definitely. It felt like that. Yeah. And was Tia Leone a star then? She was a, she's been a star since the original Bad Boys that I recall. Obviously, she's doing television now. Um, but, yeah, she was, she, was, she was a thing. Is a thing. You know what was also a thing it was these switcheroo movies. I feel like that was a total 80s and 90s thing. Yeah, I have, to, I have a soft spot for these kinds of movies, I have to admit. It's not quite a time travel movie, but it, it is in a sort of uh, alternate timeline. The switcheroo movies and when they're done well, they either have to be explained down to the letter or you just sort of go with it. Mm-hmm. And either way, if it's told convincingly or in a way that makes me not question it, if they don't ham it up, then I tend to roll with it. 
Right. And this was one of the ones that didn't over-explain. It just sort of happened, and you're either on board with it or you're not. And for this one, I think I was on board with it. Not only did it not explain, but I kind of felt like it treaded the line. Like when Don Cheadle showed up in Homeboy's Ferrari, I was like, oh, it's trading places. It, I did think of that, too. Uh, having seen trading places less than six months ago, um, it's just a different kind of trading places, uh, much less focused on the comedy. Yeah, well, it really didn't. It didn't go there. I mean, we didn't get into Don Cheadle's life as Nicolas Cage's former bank president character because that wasn't actually what happened. He just showed up in his Ferrari to make a point that this was no longer his life. Right. Were you anticipating that? Did you think that that was the direction that he would play a major role throughout? Yep. Okay. I just figured. I mean, obviously, I had seen it before and and remember. I don't remember originally going into it. But he just sort of struck me as the Chevy Chase hot tub time machine type character, where right. he just floats in and out at, at uh, whenever he wants. Well, what was his character? Was he like Thug Fairy? Thug. <laughs> I think he was a a guardian angel. I don't know. He was a he was a ferryman, right? He was a tour. I don't know what it was. He was he was just there sent by higher authority to help him make the transition and get the job done. He was sent there by higher authority to hold up a liquor store? Yes, as a cover to incite Jack's act of heroism. He said, your good deed, what you did, resonated all the way up the establishment, or whatever. He was sent as an emissary to help Jack affect this change and make this transition to a different life. So the powers that be anticipated Jack's act of heroism? I guess so. You take one a person at one extreme, where he's not an evil person, but he's certainly a person who is free because of, his, because of his money to do whatever he wants, right? So he does just that. Because of a choice he made 13 years prior to the movie setting, he ends up at extremely rich and wealthy and single, and had he made the different choice, he would have been in a completely different situation. So the disparity of the two situations resulting from that choice, I think, was here's a good candidate. If we're going to look at somebody who would test their mettle in a completely different situation, we'll find someone at the opposite extreme mm -hmm. and place them in that situation. Maybe his choice was hugely significant in his life, even if he didn't know it at the time. I took a little umbrage with the fact that his family man role was the opposite extreme. I mean, do you have to be like Frumpkins, like out of your mind tire salesman to be a, a family man? Tia Leone, his wife, Kate, suggested that that was a, a true success story, right? It's just a different kind of success story. He's still Jack Campbell just in extreme circumstances. And I think those two personas come together throughout the movie, right? Mm -hmm. The idea is that he's the same guy, uh, just on different paths. And when those paths, paths converge, we see who he is as a person, mm -hmm. which I think is what Don Cheadle's character was trying to suss out. And is one path better than the other? I don't know. And I think that's why this movie is, that's the message of this movie is, is either extreme better? He was trying to find the compromise the whole time, so I'm guessing no. He was always, you know, he maybe, actually, I don't know. Do you think 
when he was super rich and dancing around and singing opera in his underpants that he was longing for a simpler life or was he thrust into this life against his will and took a long time to adjust it seems like the learning curve would have been harder going from rich to poor than it would have been if he was poor and suddenly rich although we saw it for Tia Leone's character, how hard it would be for her to adjust to some opulent lifestyle right out of the gate. He thinks it would be easy. She thinks, what about the great public school that the kids are in and all the friends and the life that they built in this crappy little house? By little house, I mean crappy, gigantic four-bedroom house <laughs> that we could never possibly afford where we live. Right. It's relative. Yep. <clears throat> but he didn't seem overtly lonely, sad, or mean. No. In a way, it's kind of a Christmas carol but not in temperament. It was just sort of a different situation where the humanity can shine shine through. But he gets a glimpse of something that he had the luxury of forgetting about. He didn't right. have to worry about how the other half lives because he always had his warm bagel and his coffee and the Wall Street Journal and multi-billion dollar mergers. Right. I'm actually reading Christmas Carol and it's I just don't get Dickens, man. I have to reread every sentence. Dude, Bleak House almost killed me. After Christmas Carol, which is a really, really short Dickens book comparatively, start with Mickey's Christmas Carol and then go to George C. Scott. My recommendation. Wait, are you saying skip Charles Dickens' original Christmas <laughs> Carol and go straight to Mickey's special? Nope. You have to go to the source material. After that, when you're like, ugh, and you wonder why a Christmas Carol endures, check out Mickey's Christmas Carol, then George C. Scott, and then a Muppet Christmas Carol. And then if you have time, I guess, the Jim Carrey, Robert Zemeckis one that I haven't seen. Is the Mickey Christmas Carol the one where they shave the bean? The, it is. And the bean slices translucent? Yep. With the, yeah. <laughs> I can't think of how many times I tried to cut my bean like that. Man. And it never, it never worked. It yeah, just that, smushed. That's the kid's version of slicing the garlic with the razor blade in Goodfellas. Anyway, back to Family Man. Is, so, it, is it a Christmas movie? It's a holiday movie. It yeah. goes from Christmas through to past Valentine's Day. You're right, it does. So, but it starts Christmas and it's got that wintry vibe, which is, I don't know, festive. But his John Cheadle's thing certainly qualifies as a Christmas miracle, right? Huh? Uh-huh. Merry mm. Christmas, Jack, he says, literally. So he like gives, so he's giving him, so the miracle is, or the gift is giving him this insight into his life? Sure. It's just Christmas. Christmas. It's, it's a Christmas adjacent it's Christmas. film. It's a time for miracles. It's a holiday adjacent film. <laughs> so if, if only Blockbuster was still around, that would be the section. Holiday <laughs> adjacent movies. Well, you know, Netflix has like 2,000 genres, right? Yeah, but still, you click what's what they load on your on your menu, and beyond that, who does the digging? I don't know. Mm, the algorithm? I, I have to say, though, I've never typed in Christmas movies in Netflix for sure. Oh, well, I love you, Netflix. Support us, sponsor us. Thank I've you. looked for, I've searched. <laughs> I'm sure that they're going to respond to that. I've uh, searched for Yuletide Log. They have that. Yuletide, oh, the, the static shot of That's the, a big one on, during the holidays. Okay. That's a lot of hits right there. It's like a fake Christmas tree, which I'm told the solution to is to spritz it with pine scent or whatever. No. So if you get a smoky kind of mm -hmm. vibe, you can't just have, the log doesn't have the effect. It's all about also the heat and like the oh, smell or whatever, I see what right? You're saying. But if you spritz, I'm told if you get a fake tree and it doesn't sell you, spritz it with pine oil or whatever, yeah. and all of a sudden it's a whole different world of realism. No, I hear that. You gotta have the scent. You gotta have the whole 4D experience or whatever. But 
spritzing's not the way to go. You get the incense sticks that you hang within the tree so that you don't get the spritz all over your stuff. Maybe it was you that told me that, in fact. Yeah. Anyway, so was this movie a fake Christmas tree saddled with air fresheners to make it seem like a holiday movie? Yeah, pretty much. And w But was it effective as a Christmas tree? Did it serve to as a holiday movie to give you the warm and fuzzies? I think that outside of the winter season or the holiday season, it might have seem, seemed more random. It seems like that, that's the time of year where people, especially ones with not a lot of close relationships or ties, get reflective about things. So it seemed appropriately timed. Yep. What was interesting about The Family Man for me was that you knew, so it, I knew what was happening, right? I mean, to the extent that I understood these rules and and yet it was still enjoyable to see him go into his house or go back to his penthouse or go into his new tire office, tire store office. And though you knew how he was going to respond, Nicolas Cage's performance was pretty fun and delightful. And I was willing to go along with it even though I knew what was happening. Yeah, this, this is the reined in Nicolas Cage, where you can always see the crazy wacky lurking, but he, he hasn't fully unleashed it yet. The crazy wacky? Yeah, the crazy wacky. Is this like a place that he goes to in every role? This is the place that he's known for. The Crazy Wacky? Yeah. Like just, the Raising Arizona? Um, I'm thinking more like Face Off and uh, where, you know, the Nicolas Cage thing. He's a meme for God's sake. So I, I didn't feel necessarily like I was ahead of it, though, because I, I was just like, there was... I paused the movie twice when I was watching it, and I and for whatever, the baby was crying or I had to go pee. And at those moments, I thought, I really don't know what's going to happen next. Like, is he going to get stuck here? Is he going to go back to his life and long for what could have been? Is there going to be some kind of hybrid version where they're going to create a new reality? Like, that was kind of interesting in that this fairly simple plot did keep me guessing what was going to happen. Yeah, and then when the movie wraps up, is it satisfactory? Because Lost kept you guessing, too. Had no idea, because the further you got into Lost, and when they started, when they needed to start coming around with answers, they just started piling on more questions. And the ambiguity was like, oh my god, how are they going to wrap it up? And with the family guy, you're wondering, how are you going to tie this these two timelines together in a satisfying way? I don't know if they did that. They effectively killed those two little kids. I'm sure those kids exist in a separate happy timeline with the non-alien dad. But in the world in which we end this movie, those kids don't exist. They are fleeting memories in his head. And movie's a little bit different because we can we know those kids are around. It's just a movie and, and we can be thrown into a completely different timeline and we can accept that. And the crushing reality of the fact that he'll never see those kids again uh, doesn't really factor in. The idea is that he chooses them in the way that she did, and now they're older, and maybe they can still have kids, but it was kind of, I don't know, do you think it was a cop-out, or was it satisfying in the best way that it could have been? Was it a satisfying ending? Mm, yeah. I wasn't dissatisfied, let's put it that way. I mean, they're sitting there, they're chatting, right there, and, and the, the the future is nothing but possibilities. Right. And you'd like to think that maybe the future they build could resemble the alternate reality family thing that they had. 
And the dramatic irony of the situation is that we know the potential that these two people have when they're together. Mm -hmm. So that's what's satisfying to me. So I went into this movie and I chose this movie thinking that when I subject Kelly to movies, they're usually much heavier, especially this time of the year, awards bait type stuff, usually heavier in tone. And I thought, oh, I'll lob her a softball. And I, I asked her if she wanted to watch The Family Man and she hadn't seen it, so we sat down. And, I, and I'm looking over at her throughout the movie and she's got those forehead wrinkles. And I'm wondering, what's going on? What's going on? She didn't like it. And really? I was I was surprised by that, and she said uh, after the fact that maybe 20 years ago yeah. it might have been okay, but since since then Nicolas Cage has gotten so creepy, and we didn't even touch on the Brett Ratner stuff. Oh, um, so she was affected by the real life stories. She she said, and I quote, "He's dancing around in his underwear and stuff, and Nicolas Cage is just kind of yucky," which. I guess comes from 20 years since of Nicolas Cage since he's fallen out of favor. But it was it was definitely uh, wasn't my expectation for her reaction to this movie. But she was colored by real life events, not necessarily by the merit of the story or how it held up, which I felt like the film held up remarkably well. This movie does it. It, it held up. It was entertaining, even though it was 20 years old, nearly right. 20 years old. But at the same time for holiday movies, was this movie dark to adult? He's the family man, but there's, if not for Jeremy Piven's heroic neighbor character, he would have he would have had an affair with the neighbor. Right. The rules don't apply to him. There was pseudo-nudity, there was suitity going on in the movie, and, and adult themes where it might have been a more family-friendly holiday classic if it hadn't gone there sure maybe lighter um and i don't know if that was good or bad for yeah. the movie it's called the family man but it's not a family movie per se right it's an adult holiday movie which i think there's room for in the marketplace i sure. mean there's plenty of kids movies and animated movies not only current but classic ones for families to watch together i can't believe i'm defending this position you're absolutely right the idea of homogenizing these movies for for consumption and has always bothered me. Yeah. And uh, but I do. I like this movie, even if it's not the greatest anti-holiday movie ever. Right. Well, it's not. I mean, it's it's neither. It's not anti-holiday. It's not family. It's just, it's an adult f movie set at a festive time, and I think that, and, and which was story appropriate. What did you say? Holiday adjacent. Yes. Yeah. I I also like these kind of movies where you see a character as they are and then as they would have been. And of course, Nicolas Cage is just sort of Nicolas Cage, just he's sort of trying to rein it in under di different circumstances to not give himself away. Right. But I like seeing Saul Rubinek's character. President? The, yeah, the new Alan. Yeah, yeah. I like seeing Saul Rubinek's character, Alan, sort of be more assertive in one vein right. and then and completely meek and, and hapless the other way. So right. I really like seeing actors portray the same character two completely different ways. Oh, you mean like in Us? I'm not going to, no, not like in Us. Not at all like in Us. In a believable, still you can see <laughs> the undercurrent of the same person, not blowing it all out of the water 
completely different way. I think that actors do a lot of different takes and they take a lot of different approaches. Right. And the director approves and the editor chooses takes and puts them together. So an actor never really knows what's going to happen when they see their final the final cut sure. on screen. And I think that, that playing around is the mark of a good and a confident actor. And I just like seeing it on screen where you can see uh, two different approaches that were obviously meant to be two different personas of the same character. Um, really come to life. Th those kinds of movies are always fun for me. I mean, I thought that was a fun role, but also I, it, the fact that he was a strong personality in the alternate universe was a little bit, um, that was a little bit unbelievable. I had a hard time believing his character because you don't get to be in the boardroom making the war room decisions about major corporate mergers and kind of be a softie. Like, I felt like all of the dudes in there need to be have the business acumen or whatever to be there so the fact that he was kind of mopey and like it's christmas eve and i'm supposed to be with my family it was like mm, really they would all have to be dobermans uh, yeah i just didn't buy that he was a softy and that and, and that in this alternate universe he somehow was had that um that strength yeah it's a good point so but i want to um talk about the the dad the family, the actual family, family man aspect of this film. So obviously Brian is a family man and he laughed joyously at all the right places. And I felt like really related to Nicolas Cage's uh, character as caricaturish as he was of, of a dude trying to play a dad. But um, I was just wondering from like a dude perspective if you would have preferred a movie where a family dude or like a normal dude wakes up and he's in his underwear in the penthouse with the hooker. Like would, would, do, would men prefer to see the reverse of this film? Where he's a family man put into a penthouse all of a sudden? Yep. I don't think so. I think that that would have leached the humanity from the character and while I'm always intrigued by how the other half lives, in my case, the other half being the wealthy, um, definitely not as relatable. No matter what, the, the focus of the wealthy tends to be, it seems to me, money exclusively. And the pursuit of money and the Steve Jobses and the Elon Musks are work and the luxury that you have surrounding you while you're asleep because you're not at work. You know, I think it's less interesting. Uh, and movies like Trading Places and things, they play up the opulence and the sort of absurdity of it. Um, how right. they're working in ridiculous situations with people bringing them everything they want. But it lacks the humanity. We had had a discussion. Remember we talked about how being rich kind of absolves you from any kind of cleverness or making any kind of decisions or strategizing in any way. You're focused exclusively on your business. For the most part, you're very good at what you do, but you tend to lack in other areas of your life. Right. You become complacent in ways that money will pay for. And so I don't think it's interesting. I don't think it would be interesting to see someone who didn't have to be enterprising when everything is presented to them. I think it's much more interesting for someone who's accustomed to wealth to be thrown into a situation where they have to make everyday things like the coffee machine work and how when to strategize walking the dog. Right. I thought that a victorious moment for his character was when he, so he wants this suit, right? Mm -hmm. He wants this beautiful $2,500 suit, which is a lot in the early aughts, I guess. It's still a lot. And still a lot now. And, um, and 
you know, her being the ever patient wife says, you know, it's a bad and not prudent decision, but if it makes you happy or brings you some kind of value, then do it. And then he doesn't, and then she gets him the knockoff version from the outlet, blah, blah, blah. So the victorious moment for me was when he shows up in the cheesy suit, meeting with his, his boss in the alternate reality. Right, Lassiter. And he owns it. Like he's wearing this cheap old suit, but it doesn't matter because he knows who, what the man is and who's wearing it. Yeah, it's endearing. And at the same time, he places so much value on the suit as how much better he feels or how amazing it would make it make that suit, other suit made him feel. He feels it's not really about the suit, it's him. Right. Um, symbolically, it's not the situation in where in which he finds himself. It's him and how he can assert himself and work out whatever situation he's in. He's better than this sport. He's better than bowling. He just has to believe he is. And he can he knows he's great in the boardroom or in the war room and he knows he learns he can be great as a father in the living room. Right. Man, I'm good. Wow, that was pretty eloquent. Yeah. What what would it be like for you to wake up and suddenly find that you and Kelly have two kids and um, or I don't know what, living in a house in New Jersey. In New Jersey, that would be the worst part, the hardest part. <laughs> I can barely stick a week in Arizona. Um, do we still have Netflix? Yeah. I could change the address for my screeners? Yeah. I could probably get behind that. As I get older, I find that being close to the cool stuff isn't quite as important as having the stuff that I need and that I rely on, which generally is... All, all it requires is a decent speed internet connection. Okay. Be fine. But would it be would it be a nightmare or a dream to wake up and have two little kids? It would definitely be an adjustment. Hopefully, you learn to like those kids. No, it wouldn't be a nightmare. But if my goal was to have two kids, I would set out to do that thing. Um, I'm sure there are a lot of people who find themselves in a situation like Jack and like his neighbor, uh, Arnie, who didn't expect to find themselves. I think that was the whole message, right? Neither of them expected to find themselves in their 30s with two kids in a house in, New, in the suburbs in New Jersey. You make it work. You figure out how to make it work and you try to do it the best way possible and be the best person you can. He was in a situation that, as Arnie put it, anybody would kill to be in that situation. It was just not his situation. I actually think what he said was anyone would give their left nut. To be with Kate, but also uh, Kate said, he said, I want a life that people would envy. And Kate said, they do envy us. Enviable situation if you're happy and you own a home and you live in the suburbs and you have two kids who aren't monsters. Yeah, that was a moment where Brian turned to me and said, eh, that was a bad line. It might not be a great movie. But it resonated with me at the time, less so upon revisiting. But it was an interesting movie in a style that I like. Whenever they can pull off a sort of switcheroo without being too cutesy, what I tend to like it. What do you mean at the time, like in 2000? Yeah, just as, as I'm closer to that particular age and there's still the idea that I could be uh, at Nicolas Cage's uh, level of wealth someday. Those, those dreams tend to recede over time. Oh, but, so you've abandoned the, the um, Wall Street dream? Not necessarily, but I'm definitely never going to be on Wall Street in my 30s. Yep, so, you can count on that. Yeah, it is what it is. and But yeah, you identify with the possibility and you like, that's the movie-going aspect. You uh, 
it's cool to be thrown into a situation uh, where you don't know what's going to happen, and uh, and it's fun to figure it out. Yeah, this is one of those kinds of movies that defies my rating system a little bit because it definitely wasn't boring. But in order for a movie to be good, I feel like it really needs to move me. And it, ne it didn't necessarily, but it was enjoyable. It was eminently watchable. It was good. Yeah, I would agree. Definitely, I think, ambiguous enough in its message that it warrants talking about. And Nicholas Cage is pretty good. He was pretty convincing. Yeah, there was a time and a niche where he fit in so well to the sort of confident, um, you know, good-looking, successful capable kind of guy who when he's in a bad situation gets kind of hapless and frustrated and 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 he's got chops he's he can be comedic yeah in a way that's fun and believable it's funny he's i don't really think of him automatically as a good looking guy but he like the chick from handmaid's tale and uh and uh mad men and mad men oh chris no not christina hendrix um, um. For Nicolas Cage, he, I don't I don't automatically think that he's a handsome guy, but like the chick from Handmaid's Tale, he has an interesting face that you can look at for a long time. He's Coppola. Yeah, that's always struck me as weird. And he had really bad teeth when he started. Like really bad, like Affleck bad. <laughs> yeah, he had his moment, for sure. And I've always had this weird thing where I look at a certain movie and I say that this is the best version of this person where they're neither, oh, that person looks old, or oh my God, they're such a baby. Like Harrison Ford at Indiana Jones level was Harrison Ford, and he seemed, he seemed to be in his absolute physical prime in, in terms of presence, right? Um, maybe Nicolas Cage was right around there in The Family Man, right around 2000. Uh, just before National Treasure, he might have been at his best. Yep, cool. All right, so that's our episode about the Family Man, our first bonus movie favorite episode. Thank you for listening. And if you have um, anything that you'd like to share, please email us about whatever at or whatever movies at gmail.com or give us a call, 818-835-0473 about whatever. And thanks for listening. Hey guys, it's Miriam Love here. And I wanna share something very special with you. Check out my new release, All In, the Spanish remixes, out now on Electric Cast Records. And always remember, be love, share love, all love. Available now wherever you listen to music. Have you ever wondered what actually happens in Congress every day? Stay informed on Capitol Hill's daily happenings with a concise, factual summary of the Senate and House of Representatives activities from the previous session, free from bias, on the Congressional Record Daily Digest podcast. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and discover the process from the heart of U.S. politics. The Congressional Record Daily Digest, an electric cast production. Electric acid. Electric acid.